the most connected man in Washington. WSB's Jamie Dupree is on every day with Herman Kane. 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 955 and AM 750. WSB. And to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world, our message to them is the same as my grandfather's. Them that's going, get on the wagon. Them that ain't, get out of the way. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us because we're going to tell you the truth, give you the facts. Because we want you to be better informed and inspired to help make this a better nation. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Kane and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Welcome. Hey, Herman. What's in the news? Well, uh, in terms of things happening today right now, the FBI director is up here testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee, sort of a well-timed regular oversight hearing that is obviously focusing an awful lot on the recent attacks in both Paris and San Bernardino. Uh, it's very interesting because uh, the FBI chief has given lawmakers in the last few minutes a few more tidbits about the shooters in that attack out in San Bernardino. For one, it looks like that both of the shooters were radicalized at least two years ago and likely before they even met each other and before they began dating or courting online, whatever you want to describe it as. So uh, there is the one senator, well, it was actually Lindsey Graham, asked the question, do you think they were set up by a foreign terrorist or a foreign terror organization to join together? Uh, because of their inspired feelings and that they were able to get the the woman into the United States on that uh, visa for fiancés, the K-1. Uh, the FBI chief said he had no information and no real uh, hint of anything like that, but it does seem from their investigation that both of them were radicalized well before they met online over two years ago. Now, there wasn't a lot of background uh, that he gave about the uh, the investigation itself, other than they are trying very hard to figure out a number of things, like uh, where had they been talking about these these plans with outside terror groups? Had they planned to hit anything else that day, or had they planned to do something before or after? Those are still open-ended questions that the FBI is investigating at this point in time. So a little more detail on that. And the FBI chief, again, making a very public uh, call for high-tech companies to, to stop encrypting and, and making these encrypted apps and more that make it difficult for uh, the feds, whether it's the FBI or the NSA or anybody else, to get a look at some of these messages being sent between terrorists and terror organizations. The FBI chief said, remember earlier this year, Herman, when uh, in Garland, Texas, they had those guys that showed up at the Draw Muhammad contest? And, yes. You know, they were ready to attack that. Well, evidently, one of the people involved in that attack exchanged over 100 messages with an overseas terrorist on the morning of the attack. But all that's encrypted, and the feds have still not been able to get it because even with a court order, you can't unlock some of this stuff. So he was making that appeal again. So uh, some background today on the San Bernardino shooters from the FBI chief, and there'll be more offered behind closed doors to lawmakers tomorrow in a pair of briefings, first for House members and then for senators tomorrow as well, Herman. Aren't the authorities also following up on interviewing uh, for, for Zook's mother? 
Oh uh, yeah, that, I mean uh, they're they're interviewing other, all sorts of people. All sorts yes. of people. Yeah. And it, it was interesting because uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein also asked about the the media, the news media going through the home. And she was horrified by that. Uh, the uh, Remember that scene on TV with everybody after the landlord let everybody in to go take a look around? Uh, the FBI chief even said he found it strange to be watching on TV. But he said that the FBI had been finished with their investigation at that house and had released the home back to the landlord. So he was certainly free to do what he wanted to do uh, and that uh, they really had no uh, thought that there was anything else in the home that they needed to get out in terms of evidence. There appears to be unfolding a lot of leads in different directions in terms of other people, other organizations, transfer of money. It sounds like it's a, um, a very rich investigative environment sure. for the authorities. They continue to follow up on all of this. And as someone pointed out, it might lead them to being able to detect if some similar kinds of things exactly. are being planned around Now, that's the, the thing, is that the, the yes. FBI web is just spreading here, trying to figure out if there are links. Are there others who help them? Are there others who help to uh, f finance it or organize it or train uh, all those things being looked at? And, and really, the FBI chief, I'm sure, could have said a lot more in public, but decided to hold that back for tomorrow when they go behind closed doors with lawmakers. Very interesting. See what's One unfolding. other thing was the FBI chief was asked directly, do you think that there are Islamic State cells already in the U.S. laying in wait to do something? And the FBI chief said, no, quoting here, I don't have reason to believe that. So I know there's been a lot of talk about the, the Islamic State already having people here. The FBI chief again said their biggest worry is people who are already here, uh, who are Americans, who are inspired by what's going on overseas. Uh, certainly the Islamic State wants to try to get people here, but I think the more immediate fear is somebody like the San Bernardino shooters who are already here and maybe not taking direct orders from the Islamic State. The latest poll shows that for New Hampshire is the one that I saw. I'm trying, I don't know the latest one that you saw. Which one are you referring to when you think about Ben Carson continues to slip into polls? Yeah, well, all of them. I mean, all of them. Uh, ben, ben Carson's numbers have been going down for weeks now in uh, national polls, in Iowa polls, in New Hampshire. Get this. These are the, the last five polls in New Hampshire, live, you know, interview polls, starting in mid-October and going to now for Ben Carson. He was at 17%, 16%, 13%, 9% and yesterday just 5% in the CNN poll. That uh, in law enforcement is what we would call a clue. And uh, I think it, it, again, looking at trends, not just where everybody is in the latest poll, but the trend for Carson has not been good. And it has not been good in New Hampshire. It has not been good in Iowa. And it has not been good nationally. And you just look at the numbers and you can see him trending down across the board. And I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's since Paris, uh, it has not been the the it has not been the environment that is uh, I think most helpful to Ben Carson. You look at the national numbers recently in the major polls: 22, 20, 18, 16, 14, 10. That's only going one way. Meanwhile, Trump staying high, Rubio and Cruz going up, and no noticeable momentum for anyone else in the field. And I think that's really important to note. And again, uh, the latest numbers I've run, my figures, we'll see what CNN says probably tomorrow, but my figures, I don't think Rand Paul's going to be on the main stage in the next debate next week in Vegas. And in fact, Carly Fiorina is holding on to the main stage literally by her fingernails at this point in time. <laughs> She's just about uh, uh, fallen out of that as well, but I think she'll make the main stage. So we should have eight on the main stage. Trump, Carson, Rubio, Cruz, and Bush. 
they get in along with Fiorina for their national numbers, and then Kasich and Christie will get in because they're doing well in New Hampshire. But otherwise, I think Rand Paul may get shuffled back to the pre-debate debate. Did I hear yesterday correctly from Nia Cavuto that they are adding another debate in January? Yes. There's going to be one in South Carolina on January the 14th, two days after the State of the Union address. So that will uh, that will mean I bet we have two Republican debates in January of next year. Uh, the first one in South Carolina and then the next one just before the Iowa caucuses. You know, getting pretty close here when you think about it. Uh, New Hampshire is two months from today, so we're under two months for Iowa. So it looks like we'll have two full-fledged debates in January and then probably a couple more in February as well. Now, on the Trump front yesterday, I think, uh, Herman, the, the biggest thing that I saw in interviewing Republican members of Congress yesterday and all the dust-up over Trump's plan to bar Muslims from coming into the U.S., I, did, I detected and noted yesterday for the first time, I think, that the the majority of Republicans here in the Congress sat up and said, I've had it. It's enough with Trump. And I really detected yesterday for the first time sort of the political will to publicly say, not just privately maybe to their friends or quietly to some people, but to publicly say, you know what, this is too much. Uh, the, the descriptions yesterday and the words used, not only by leadership, not only by establishment Republicans, but by Tea Party Republicans, by just average rank-and-file Republicans. Terms like reprehensible and un-American and unconstitutional and more. I was really struck by, it seemed to me, that it was almost like, we've had it, this is enough. Donald Trump can, is not going to be the nominee. And that's, I heard that more and more from a number of people that I interviewed yesterday. On, I'm talking Republicans. I'm not talking Democrats. I'm talking Republican lawmakers. And I know people say, well, there are those are the people that aren't going to agree with Trump in the first place. And that may be true in a lot of things, but I think a lot of them have kept quiet for months, not wanting to offend Trump and or his supporters back in their home districts. Uh, but for example, one of the, the biggest quotes uh, yesterday came from Mick Mulvaney, who is a, a Tea Party type uh, Republican from South Carolina, congressman. who went, yeah, congressman, who when he was asked about will Trump be the nominee, uh, Mulvaney said basically, we're not going to nominate somebody who crumples up the Constitution and throws it in the trash can. And you know, I, I just I sense maybe that Trump, after all these months of pushing the envelope that a lot of people in the Republican Party sort of sat up yesterday and decided they had to go public with their opposition to him. We'll see if this is a moment or if it's just another thing that washes over and Trump is just fine in another couple of weeks. Well, here's my take. They are overreacting, and time will tell as to whether or not it will or not because their reaction isn't the reaction, Jamie, that I'm getting from Main Street USA, call us to this radio show, folk that I run into because the the way some in the media have treated it, they cut it off. He did not trample on the Constitution. And a, and a couple of callers reminded me uh, and the listeners that if you go back to Jimmy Carter, he did something very similar to saying that he was not going to allow Iranians into the country. Nobody ever brought that up. I mean, it's, it's and I'm not trying to defend Trump. I'm just saying I believe the establishment – is looking for a reason to bring down Trump just as much as the liberal media. See, but this isn't the establishment. That's the thing that I'm trying to note. This was not all establishment people. 
There were Tea Party guys and Freedom Caucus guys and more. And so that's what struck me about this more than anything else. wasn't It wasn't just the GOP party leadership. It wasn't just sort of the established incumbents. It was people that I would have thought would have stuck up for Trump no matter what. And that didn't happen yesterday. And so, again, okay. it may only be a moment, may just wash away and everything like that. But I sensed for the very first time a willingness of the Republican Party members of all stripes to stand up and jab Trump back in the face for the first time. Now, I haven't really seen anything like that except out of a very few people so far within the Republican race. Normally, you said... Uh, let's see, today is Tuesday. A couple of more polls come out near the end of the week. That we should have some more, I would think. Uh, now that we're past Thanksgiving, we should have a bevy of them. And then, of course, we'll take a little break for Christmas and more. Uh, but uh, we'll probably get a pretty good idea later this month as to where things stand. I don't think Trump's going to fall off the table at all. Uh, I, I don't see anything happening like that. But I still will be interested to see where we go, especially in Iowa, because I do think Ted Cruz is on the move there. I would agree. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. See you, Herman.